You're about to enter the arena and join the battle to save America with your host, Sean Parnell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Battleground Live. It's great to have you all here today. Um, I got to tell you, uh, my heart stopped uh, a few hours ago when it looked like there was a terrorist attack uh, on the U.S.-Canada border right there around Niagara Falls. It's about three and a half hours from where I live. Um, and all of the initial reports were that it was a vehicle-borne improvised explosive device, as folks like us in the military or an intelligence community know them as VBIDs. Um, and I got to tell you, I was very, very concerned, but also scared, uh, primarily because we have a wide open southern border and a wide open northern border uh, where terrorists can just stream across our country, stream across that border and into our country. And there have been 169 people in the last couple of years alone uh, that were caught on the known terrorist watch lists on our southern border. And over the last three years, if you've been watching this show, then you know very, very well that there have been 10 million illegal immigrants that have crossed into this country. And I've got to tell you, after having faced these people, these terrorists, this global jihadist all-star team in Afghanistan, and I've fought every terrorist group <laughs> under the sun that has a name, um, the smart operatives you know, weren't caught. <laughs> They're not going to get caught when they cross the southern border. They know how to get across uh, without being detected. And I shudder to think uh, how many terrorists could possibly be in this country. It scares me every day. And as the situation developed, I put out a quick tweet saying like, hey, prayers for our law enforcement and border, uh, border patrol who are in the thick of it right now. Keep your heads on the swivel. Catch the bastards. America's with you. Uh, but as it turns out, as these situations often do, they change pretty rapidly. And I'm looking at Alexis uh, McAdams. She's a Fox News correspondent. She's in the field pretty often. She's a good reporter. Um, looking at her feed, she initially reported that high-level police sources told her that it was an attempted terrorist attack. Sources say the car was full of explosives and both men were dead inside. So that was the initial report. She's since come out as a 444 today saying that high-level police sources say bomb techs on the scene immediately alerted all authorities that this was an attempted terror attack because they'd never seen a car explosion with a debris field like that before and believed there were several explosives in the car. All government buildings were evacuated, the bridge was closed, and the airport had heightened security. Also, authorities checked in all cars near the airport looking in the trunk and back seats. A police source says those are all steps that follow when they when they believe to be a terrorist attack. And yes, that's, that's true. Um, I'll tell you, I stumbled across some video. I mean, there's been a bunch of video that's come out since, but I stumbled across this, this video uh, of the car itself. You don't actually see the car, but you see the explosive signature in the wake of, of the car impacting uh, where it hit. And I got to say, after ha having been on the receiving end of uh, multiple improvised explosive devices and vehicle-borne improvised explosive devices, I have to say uh, that my initial reaction was, boy, that explosion doesn't seem large enough. And as I was processing all of these thoughts, I mean, of course, my time in combat comes back to me in, in the, the vehicle-borne improvised explosive devices that we got hit with in Afghanistan. We got hit with a few of them. They were just devastating. Uh, I think I told you about them both on this show 
um, or at least one on the show where when this when this bomb went off, this like white station wagon packed to the brim with explosives. When when this thing went off, I was 250 yards away from the front gate where it impacted of my base. We had some jihadists crash into our front gate with a with a station wagon chock full of of C4 and explosive. It's crazy. But it's like a baseball bat hit me in the chest, sucked the air right out of my lungs. Um and you could actually see from the explosion as it went off, as it was facing the gate when it went off, the the shock waves come off the explosion. I mean, it was that intense. And I didn't see that happen. And I'm glad I didn't see it happen on this attack in Niagara. So obviously things are evolving fast. Um, and as of now, it looks like it's not a terrorist attack. But I got to tell you, something like this could easily happen in America. One of my greatest fears for a long time has been terrorists coming across our southern border and our northern border, which, by the way, is somehow less secure than our southern border. The terrorists really wanted to come through uh, with minimal resistance as humanly possible. They would cross from Canada into our, our country and into the United States. It's it's wide open up there. Um, I, it, it would be extraordinarily easy to have multiple vehicle-borne improvised explosive devices chock full of explosives and hit multiple targets all at the same time. And with this Israeli uh, war uh, and their their pursuit and eradication of Hamas, and now Iran has been activated and Hezbollah, and then you have Houthi rebels, which are funded by Iran. They've been activated to fight against Israel. They 100% folks, 100% have sleeper cells in this country ready to activate at a moment's notice. And my fear is, is that they implement a tactic like vehicle-borne ex- improvised explosive devices. Um, it's it's a scary thing, but as it looks like right now, it looks like this isn't a terrorist attack. So let's keep praying that it is not. Um, hope that, my gosh, I mean, the day before Thanksgiving uh, on, a, on a symbolic target, a bridge between Canada and the United States, it, it would seem like it would be just given the time, the location, that it would be a terrorist attack. But as of now, it doesn't look like one. So we're thankful for that. Um, okay. So let's pivot to something else here for a second. Uh, I, I told you all yesterday, if you always say this right from the top, but like this video, smash that like button. It matters a lot. Rumble notices. It helps the show. It helps us grow. And the more we grow, the more quality content that we can bring you on a day-to-day basis. So go ahead and like that video and subscribe to Battleground Live. Um, uh, We need your help. The show is and will always be for you. Um, And we've really been doing this show for a couple months now. And I talk to Commander Melanie about it all the time. And I love it. I enjoy it. It's something that I truly enjoy doing and getting the opportunity to engage with you all in the chat in the hour before the show um, and welcoming new people into the trenches. It really is an honor. So I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to have your support. Um, also we started this, 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 uh, putting out what we call shorts, short form content to defeat these big tech overlords who have been censoring me on Facebook and Instagram and everywhere else. I post stuff on Instagram. I post stuff on Facebook. I have 80 plus thousand followers on Instagram, 131 plus thousand followers on Facebook. My stuff goes nowhere because I'm a Trump supporter and I've been shadow banned. Um, The reason why we're posting these shorts is so the platoon can take them and share them individually on their social media pages. That helps me defeat these big tech oligarchs 
who who were involved in the rigging of our election in 2020 and are involved in all sorts of nefarious ways in our country. Um, and it helps us beat them and it helps us grow the show. So we're going to be posting those on our Rumble page. You'll see them. We post typically one before each show in the afternoon. So check them out as you get in the live chat at four o'clock, watch them, share them with your people. That would help me immensely, uh, especially as we take this show to new levels. Um, obviously, real quickly before I, I pivot to the to the, the first thing I want to talk about today is is a thank you to Deepwell and Cabot Guns, two founding sponsors of this program. Deepwellservices.com, they're hiring. Cabot Guns, make the, CabotGuns.com, make the best 1911 pistols in America. This show would not be possible were it not for them. So thank you both to those two uh, founding sponsors. Okay, so 60 years ago today, JFK was murdered in this country in broad daylight. And this moment changed American history forever. Um, and as the years go by, it looks as if our intelligence community in some way played a role or has their fingerprints in, on the actual assassination itself. Um, but JFK essentially, I mean, look, the deep state has been around for a very long time. I'll just say that. These are entrenched bureaucrats who are unelected, who chart the course of this country. Sometimes, sometimes that course that the deep state wants to chart is not consonant with the president at the time who we the people elect. And that's something that's deeply, deeply problematic in this country. Our intelligence communities, look, I, I work with the CIA. I, I know great people in the FBI. There really are some great American patriots there, but these commie mouth breathers these, these radical leftist communists, and, I, and that's not hyperbole. I know I joke around when I talk uh, mouth breathers, but these radical, these Democrat, what I call the new Democrat party, because the party of my grandfather is dead and gone. My grandfather would not, if he were still alive today, would not reckon, recognize the modern day Democrat party. So I call him the new Democrat and the reality is these people are, are communists and they infiltrate our government at every institution that we have and take over key positions and they lock them down and they use those positions to influence policy. So while there might be great patriots at many of these institutions still, conservatives just like you and me, by and large, these institutions have been weaponized against the American people. And the reality is, is that JFK was doing things that were not consonant with what the intelligence community wanted. And, but just, it just want to make sure that we talk about this and, and remember, you know, JFK and that fateful day on our country. But I want you to watch this speech and, and just a couple things I want you to keep in mind. Um, this man who was speaking was a Democrat, but doesn't sound like a Democrat would be today. Um, and clearly, this man pursued peace. You know, his highest aspiration seemed to be peace. Uh, and that was diametrically opposed to what the military-industrial complex, the Pentagon, the CIA wanted at that moment in time. But I'm, I'm, I'm also thinking about you know, President Trump as well. Again, I'm a Trump supporter. It doesn't matter to me who you back in the primary. This is America. You can back whoever you want, and you're all welcome on this program. But President Trump talks about peace a lot as well, and often called out our intelligence community a lot. And you remember that video with Chuck Schumer talking to Rachel Maddow 
when Chuck Schumer said, uh, you got to watch out for the intelligence community because you come after them. They, they got five ways from Sunday to come after you. How scary is that? That you can't even hold our intelligence communities that our taxpayer dollars pay for, can't hold them accountable out of fear of retribution. Whether you're a Democrat in the case of JFK or Trump as a Republican, talking about peace is diametrically opposed to what their mission is and what their goal is. They don't like that. And they do things and have done things in this country for a very long time to undermine peace and undermine elected officials, people that we the people, and this isn't a Democrat or Republican thing. This, like, we the people elect politicians and leaders to lead our country. It is not consonant with what our founders intended for this country. It's not what they wanted to have deep state bureaucrats make the calls and undermine American presidents. It's not. But I want you to watch this JFK speech, and I think you'll see pretty clearly why the deep state did not like him. Go ahead and roll the tape. What kind of a peace do I mean, and what kind of a peace do we seek? Not a Pax Americana, enforced on the world by American weapons of war. Not the peace of the grave or the security of the slave. I am talking about genuine peace, the kind of peace that makes life on earth worth living, the kind that enables men and nations to grow and to hope and build a better life for their children. Not merely peace for Americans, but peace for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, but peace in all time. I speak of peace, therefore, as the necessary rational end of rational men. I realize the pursuit of peace is not as dramatic as the pursuit of war. And frequently the words of the pursuers fall on deaf ears, but we have no more urgent task. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. And if we cannot end now our differences, at least we can help make the world safe for diversity. For in the final analysis, our most basic common link is that we all inhabit this small planet. We all breathe the same air. We all cherish our children's futures. And we are all mortal. I have to tell you, as somebody who's seen war up close and personal, it, I've told you before, I appreciate when leaders talk about peace because by and large, the vast majority of politicians that we elect to this country, they've never been to combat before. They have no idea what it is. Uh, we do have some veterans in Congress and they're, they're great people uh, and appreciate their service. And they bring a wealth of experience from their time in the military into Congress, but we don't have nearly enough. Um, I wanna read you something from Greg Price on Twitter. He's, he's great. He's, he's fantastic on Twitter. You should follow Greg Price if you don't already. Um, but he wrote something about JFK that I just thought was so good uh, that I want to share it with you all. And I'm just going to read it. He said, 60 years ago today, JFK was assassinated. It came less than three years after firing longest serving CIA director in American history, Alan Dulles, 
after Bay of Pigs and less than a year after rejecting Operation Northwoods, a CIA plan to conduct false flag terror attacks to justify another invasion of Cuba. The Warren Commission found that Lee Harvey Oswald and Jack Ruby acted alone. The lead investigator on the Warren Commission, Alan Dulles. When Jack Ruby's court-appointed psychiatrist was also, Jack Ruby's court-appointed psychiatrist was also Louis Joylin West, who determined he was mentally insane. West was also a former CIA researcher who worked on MKUltra, a program initiated by Dulles that conducted human experiments in mind control. In 1975, the Church Committee found that the government investigations into the JFK assassinations were fundamentally flawed. In 1976, the U.S. House Select Committee on Assassinations found that JFK was, quote, probably killed as a result of a conspiracy. In 2014, CIA Chief Historian David, David Robarge released a report that the agency engaged in a benign cover-up by purposefully withholding information from the Warren Commission. In 1992, Congress passed the JFK Assassination Records Collection Act mandating that all CIA records of the assassination be released by 2017. Yet six years later, and the CIA is still withholding over 4,000 documents from the assassination. They said it's for, quote, national security purposes, even though it occurred over five decades ago. The reason why they're doing it, Greg Price says, to protect the institution of the CIA from complicity in the assassination of an American president. Folks, that should concern the hell out of all of us. I mean, frankly, why are these documents still classified? Uh, it's been, as Greg says, five decades later. Congress has acted on this, demanding the release of those documents. The CIA, I saw Brian Dean Wright, who is another great Twitter account, X account, whatever the hell the company is called, uh, talking about this as well. He has a couple of great theories why the CIA... Uh, has not released these documents, one of which is they want to protect the actual institution from complicity in the assassination itself. The other one was that there is somebody in America or a foreign national, a high-level government person that knew that the assassination was coming, maybe said nothing about it. Maybe the, that person's son or daughter is still alive and the CIA hasn't released that information because they're trying to protect the legacy of a parent whose children are still alive and they don't want them to be affected by it. Uh, another theory that he has is that there's there are hardcore conspiracy theories. And yes, I know, believe me when I tell you, I hate it when people say conspiracy theories, because frankly, all of the conspiracy theories that I've been told I've had over the last four years have all come true. So I've run out of them. But he is saying that there are things there are things within these classified documents that are that are untrue and that if released, they'll spiral into crazy conspiracy theories. But I have to tell you this, folks. It's hard to justify to me why we haven't released everything yet. The American people deserve the truth as to what happened to JFK. It's five decades later. Release the damn documents already. Transparency is, is always the best approach. Light, sunlight is the greatest disinfectant. So release the damn record so we can figure out what the hell happened to an American president. Um, and again, thinking about President Trump and what the deep state has done to try to stop this guy, both while he was president and thereafter, I've told you many times before, and there are other people out there th that, that are talking about this as well, whether it's Tucker Carlson or Dan Bongino, both great patriots, 
they both worry about and have said multiple times that they worry about President Trump's health, and so do I. Because they've tried, the deep state has tried everything to stop this man, and nothing can stop him. And so uh, all of you pray for President Trump and his family because I, I, they need our prayers now more than ever. Okay, I want to move on to something else because another lockdown might be on the horizon here. Uh, another mystery illness from China is is on the rise in China. Uh, but before I do, I want to make sure I thank Steve Surf. Uh, Steve, you gave 20 bucks in the Super Chats. And I think you said, make Sean's bat cave great again. <laughs> uh, I have to tell you, thank you. Uh, you don't have to leave tips in the live chat, but they're greatly appreciated. 100% of everything that we raise in the chat is going to go towards uh, building a new studio. So thank you, Steve. God bless you. I hope you have a great and happy Thanksgiving with 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 your family. Um, okay, so let me talk about this mystery illness from China. Um, there was an article that came out in uh, the uh, Daily Mail today, um, the title of which is, Mystery pneumonia tears through schools in China with many, many hospitalized, an eerie echo of early days of COVID. Uh, a mystery pneumonia is reportedly tearing through local uh, through schools in China. Hospitals in Beijing and 500 miles northeast in Leong are among those overwhelmed with sick children while school classes were on the verge of suspension, according to local news reports. The children are presenting with unusual symptoms that include inflammation in the lungs and high fever, but no cough or other symptoms usually associated with flu, RSV, and other respiratory illnesses. The, the alert was issued late on Tuesday via ProMed, a large publicly available global surveillance system that monitors infectious diseases. It was a ProMed notification back in December of 2019 that brought a mystery virus, later given the name of COVID, to the attention of many doctors and scientists, including officials at the World Health Organization. Now, um, I'll tell you, I, I, when I see stuff like this, and I'll tell you a quick story about COVID, uh, because I saw much of the intelligence way back in 2019, prior to me even declaring uh, a run for Congress, I saw much of the intelligence that was coming across human intelligence and video intelligence, what they call signal intelligence from China uh, uh, about COVID. And I was texting Commander Melanie relentlessly. There's something coming from China. I don't know what it is. Because back then in, in 2019, I mean, it seemed like at least the Chinese were leading us to believe it seemed like it was dire. I mean, they were they had videos of soldiers collapsing with heart attacks. It looked like this pandemic was killing people in a matter of days. Uh, Might have been pneumonia, uh, highly contagious. In fact, uh, a lot of the reports out of China initially was that this virus was was specifically designed to not kill you in a long time to maximize the spread to as many people as humanly possible because typically flus or any sort of biological agent that is highly lethal that kills you in 24 to 48 hours will burn itself out fairly quickly so while that's extremely dangerous um it kills people it kills their hosts so fast that the virus doesn't have time to spread well what the intelligence back then was saying was that the virus was designed to spread slowly and was uniquely positioned as a virus to kill and infect as many people as humanly possible so that the pandemic would drive, potential pandemic would drag on forever and people get people that get sick and they don't know it. So my point was, I was bothering Melanie so much about this. I got to believe there was a time where she was like, oh my God, man, can we just shut this guy the hell up? 
Um, come to find out, uh, and again, I took the, the pandemic very seriously early on, but it didn't take very long, maybe a couple months where I started to question our response to it, um, specifically with regards to locking old folks in nursing homes and you know bringing a multi-trillion dollar economy to a screeching halt, destroying our supply chain. And then it wore on to forcing our loved ones to die alone in nursing homes and forcing senior citizens to languish in COVID hotspots when we could have easily taken out, taken them out of there and put them in isolation in safer places. Um, I watched businesses lose everything. I watched people drain their savings account, all while our elected officials violated the very procedures that, that they implemented on all of us. Even if you even across the globe, Australia actually had quarantine camps and put people in them forever. I mean, you people walking around outside with a, without mask off, you had cops tackling them and choking people and grabbing women by the throats who were just walking around with their babies. You remember what they did in California, how they had big bulldozers filling skate like skate parks with sand. And I remember taking a walk with the family outside because this was after I had declared for Congress. And this was like in the spring. Uh, walking around in a playground in Western Pennsylvania and like on the monkey bars and all the playground equipment, they had caution tape on it. I mean, I, I remember thinking and talking with Melanie thinking, well, this is the most absurd bullshit I've ever seen in my life. Because anybody that has a shred of common sense knows that if there's an airborne contagion, like a simple paper mask isn't going to help. And if, by the way, if your pandemic needs a marketing strategy with nonstop damn commercials on Comedy Central about how important it is for you to stay isolated and stay safe and wear a paper mask, otherwise you'll die. If you're, again, if your pandemic needs a marketing strategy, if there, it probably has issues from the probably ain't even real, you know? Um, because again, if there were a real serious pandemic, I mean, if there was some damn zombie virus out there where people were eating each other on the streets, you wouldn't have to tell me to stay home. I would just do it. I could assure you. Uh, so my point is sort of questioning the response of our government very, very early on. And of course, that response the law of lockdowns and you know what blossomed into vaccine mandates did unbelievable harm to our country economically. How many millions of people died? I mean, seriously, maybe not millions, but maybe hundreds of thousands of people that died that didn't need to die because uh, our government, along with these big tech companies, uh, suspended any mention of alternative treatments like ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, which are, by, by the way, now both approved as secondary treatments for COVID-19. They lied about that stuff and people died. No one's been held accountable. Uh, Dr. Fauci's not been held accountable. In fact, during the pandemic, he made upwards of a million dollars a year. Where? From royalties paid to him from vaccine companies who were incentivized, financially incentivized, to get as many people as vaxxed as humanly possible and then stab as many arms with, with booster shots in perpetuity. So it was a terrible time that did unbelievable damage to our country. And so part of me, I, this is sad, and this is what really concerns me, is that here's the thing, folks. What if this pneumonia from China is real? This is, this is what they're saying anyway, is that this has been affecting children. Thank God, thank God, thank God, COVID did not affect children. But this is saying that it, that it does, that this virus does. What if this is real? Would you trust it? 
I mean, there were people in the chat. And by the way, my first reaction was do not comply. Look at my shirt. I'm not going to I'm not going to comply with vaccine mandate. I'm not going to comply with lockdowns. This is a free country. I can do what I want. But if this is real, do any of you even trust our institutions anymore to tell you the truth? I mean, our government and our institutions and some of our elected officials were so sinister and so evil. I mean, they, I'm telling you, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, trapped people, old folks in nursing homes, knowing that the virus coming from Seattle disproportionately affected the elderly. Yet he did it anyway, knowing that they were going to die. So this is going to blow your mind. The reason why I'm talking about this is that at the exact same time, so this is like President President Biden meets with Xi. Two days later, President Xi of China. Two days later, we get so, some of these alerts to saying a virus is coming. And again, it could be real. And if it is, God help us all, because I don't think people trust our institutions, even if it was real. And that scares the hell out of me. But so just yesterday, a New York, a New York appeals court reinstates Governor Kathy Hochul's power to enforce quarantine camps. Now, listen to me. Like, we all know the horrible things that the government did to us in the wake of COVID, a virus with a 99.9% survival rate. Now, by the way, I'm not saying that COVID wasn't real. It is real. It is real. And it does affect people uh, that have pre-existing conditions and things like that. Did it mean that we had to lock down our country and you know, keep kids out of school? By and large, most people, even the New York Times wrote an article saying that keeping kids out of schools was one of the dumbest things ever. And of course, I'm paraphrasing. Um, but listen to what this federal appeals court, listen to the powers that they just gave the governor of New York. Just just check this out. It'll blow your mind. Roll the tape. And in a tangible way, how might this affect people's lives, say, for a potential future pandemic or such? Well, yeah, I mean, like I said, so the, the regulation can be reinstituted now because of this court decision. Um, so that means the regulation for any of your viewers who are not familiar with the regulation, um, it allows the Department of Health to pick and choose which New Yorkers they can lock up or lock down without any proof that you're sick, without any proof you've been exposed to a communicable disease. There's no time limit. So they could lock you up or lock you down for days or weeks or months. There's no location restrictions. They can put you in any facility they want. They can either lock you down in your house or they can remove you from your house with the force of police and put you into a facility, detention center, whatever you want to call it, that they choose. You would have no say. And then once you're locked up or you're locked down, there's no procedure in this regulation that says how you get out of quarantine once you're in there. So, you know, just to give you an example, we were at the trial court last year arguing in front of the judge, and the judge asked the attorney general, you know, if you take a family and you put them into a facility somewhere, how do they get out? And, you know, the attorney general said, well, you know, they could hire a lawyer and they could sue us. You know, it, it's, it's unbelievable. It's absolutely <laughs> This is real. This, this, this is a plan that a federal court empowered a federal court empowered New York State Governor Kathy Hochul with this power that she can take you out of your home and take your entire family out of your home with no reason, suspend your constitutional right, put you in a camp with no method, no way to get out. I mean, you heard the, the lawyer who was who was fighting this saying, 
my God, how do people get out? Well, they can hire a lawyer and sue the state. Well, how the hell is that going to go with all these commie judges like the, the one that's overseeing the Trump trial, this radical commie mouth-breathing jittery Democrat? I mean, my God, you think the humanitarian offenses were bad during COVID? It, this makes it a million times worse. I, I, how is this, how something like this is even possible in America is beyond me. But right now, as of now, and in the wake of the news that I just told you, the government now has the ability, this is a federal court. So theoretically speaking, the government could sue in every state to get laws like this on the books. I got to believe that this sets some sort of dangerous precedent. This should scare the hell out of all of us, especially in the wake of this new pandemic that's coming out of China. And again, I don't mean to to make light of it. I hope that it's that it's not that that it's not dangerous, not I hope that it's not even real. But my God, how is any of that American? So I look, I I want to pivot to the next topic. I don't want to get bogged down on that. Um but that should scare the hell out of all of us, right? Um, okay. So there was news that broke yesterday about uh, a tweet out of a or a, a statement that had come out of a commander in our military um, that talked about his soldiers going to a Turning Points USA event and basically saying that don't go to this event. It's Turning Points is a is an alt right organization. They might have been complicit in this active shooter that happened in North Dakota a couple of days ago. Um, and if you go to this Turning Points USA event, well, this might jeopardize your service in the in the U.S. military. This is Charlie Kirk on the topic yesterday said leadership of the Air Force Base in North Dakota um, warns airmen not to attend rally rally featuring Turning Points actions Tyler Bauer on risk of jeopardizing a military career. The Department of Defense has declared war on conservatives. Now, Charlie Kirk is part of Turning Points USA, uh, but Congress should immediately investigate this absurd, unhinged threat. Um, and this actually was in Fox News as well. This was a Fox News article where they talked about it as well. Um, and they've got screenshots of, they've got screenshots of this commander's tweets in the article. Um, yeah, check it out. Downtown this weekend, like he's saying, be cautious about going downtown this weekend. It's good to be cautious as the crowds at this event may attract there may attract could be confrontational to military members. What? Additionally, please remind them that participation with groups such as Turning Point Action could jeopardize their continued service in the U.S. military. There was a shooting incident yesterday in Minot. Unclear if it was related. I this is mind blowing to me because. The people that attend Turning Points rallies, first of all, Turning Points is not an alt-right organization. I have no affiliation with Turning Points whatsoever, but they're not an alt-right organization. They're a mainstream conservative organization filled with young conservatives who are concerned about the direction of our country. And I, it's amazing to me that he's out there saying that the people of this crowd could be hostile to our military when by and large, everyone that attends these Turning Points USA events, are they love America. They're unbelievably patriotic. They support our military through and through. They support the values that this country was founded on. And moreover, 
How is the United States Air Force, the woke United States Air Force, okay with drag queens in our ranks and drag queen story hours and service members that dress like drag queens in uniform? How are they okay with all of that, but not okay with allowing a service member who's not in their uniform, right? It wouldn't be appropriate to go to a Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal event in uniform, but how is it okay for a commander to stop any service man or woman from going in the civilian clothes to an event that supports the country or the political beliefs that they have? It's absolutely abhorrent to me. So our men and women essentially fight for the freedoms that we have to defend the First Amendment and the Constitution, yet when they come home, they're denied that by these radical communist commanders who would deny them the very rights that they have as American citizens. You see, this this woke bullshit that's in our military, it not only does it make our military weaker, um, it has it has had an it is just an unbelievable national security problem. I mean, really, our enemies see this. Our military has never been weaker. I don't care uh, what generals say about this because they'll tell you that we're stronger than ever, but the reality is we have never been weaker. Across the board, folks, across the board, every single branch is 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 down 25% in their recruiting. I, I just told you, I, I went on Bannon's show a couple of weeks ago and said that the War College issued a report that said to expect in a conventional fight with Russia or China or Iran or any of these, maybe a potential alliance of conventional nations with a conventional military to expect 3,600 casualties a day in America. And that in two weeks, the casualty rate from a conventional, from fighting a conventional force will exceed Iraq and Afghanistan combined. They said that the all volunteer military usefulness has run its course essentially saying that the all-volunteer military is obsolete. Are you ready for a dread? Do you feel comfortable? I mean, it's a rhetorical question because I know the people of the show do not. But do you feel comfortable sending your son or daughter, having them conscripted or drafted into a military that's obsessed with diversity, equity, and inclusion, which essentially means Marxism? You know, because vaccine mandates cause unbelievable damage to our military, the best and the brightest in our military, the toughest meat eaters in our military, the tip of the spear, they all got out. Now, now the, the military is begging them to come back. But of like the eight, I think of the 8,000 that the military discharged, only 43 have even bothered to respond. This, this diversity, equity, and inclusion and all of these anti-white, like anti-white hatreds that this bristles from our command is just part of the reason why people don't want to join. And then you have the Biden administration and the, the Pentagon, along with strategic level leaders, you know, colonels, generals, allowing drag queens to recruit. It's absolutely ridiculous. So it's like no wonder, it's absolutely no wonder that our military is where it is at this current moment. It faces a recruiting crisis, is, is weaker than it's ever been. Uh, even our individual ready reserve, people that have served that are just out of the military, they're out of the reserves, just in civilian clothes, has never been lower. 74,000 at its height was at 450, 490,000 or something like that. Uh, our military is simply not ready. And this woke bullshit in our military presents a grave national security threat to our country. And 
this woke bullshit and diversity, equity, inclusion, not they're huge distractions from our actual mission, which is to win America's wars. Throw up this image of this U.S. Navy P-8A Poseidon plane. Uh, do we have it, David? I think we've got it somewhere. Yeah, the, uh, not that one. Um, it's uh, it's a it's an airplane. Anyway, this airplane. Um, yeah, there it is. So this airplane is uh, this is one of many accidents that's happened recently uh, that that are that is that have befallen our military. And the U.S. Navy has been bragging for the last six months about how this the PA the P-8 Alpha Poseidon plane, which is used to hunt submarines, is one of it has a bunch of diverse flight crews, and that's the benchmark that they're using to determine who can fly and operate these planes. And they've shared all these images of all of these super diverse flight crews. And again, diversity in and of itself is not inherently a bad thing. Of course, diversity of thought and diversity of opinion is great. But what makes the military exceptional, I've said this time and time again, is not, is not how great we are as individuals. It's not about you when you're in the military. It's about putting all of your differences aside and uniting beyond all of your many differences. That's what makes an elite fighting force. So not only is this diversity, equity, inclusion making our military weaker, it's diametrically opposed to what it means to serve in the military in the first place. It, we don't promote individual identity. No one gives a shit about you. I mean, seriously, they don't. That's one of the first things that you learn in the military. They whittle away your individual identity and you may, they make you part of a team. In fact, when you're running in basic training, you're running in formation and you're singing cadence and God forbid you have somebody fall out of the run. The entire formation turns around and puts that guy at the front of the pack so that you run at his pace because we don't leave people behind because it's all about the team. And an overt focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion does the opposite of that. And when you're focused on skin color or meeting quotas or where someone comes from and not their capabilities, it's a distraction from the mission, and any distraction from the mission causes accidents like this. And in the most, thank God, thank God, nobody was killed in that in that accident. But we covered last week the soldiers who were killed in the, in the accident in the helicopter crash in the Mediterranean. I mean, look, accidents happen in the military, but when you're focused on all the wrong stuff, it's just inexcusable to me. Um, and. I mean, three, now let's throw up that image. Do we have the image that you just had up, David, about 72% of Americans would not fight for their country? Um, that's something that's unbelievably scary to me. And it's, it's this diversity, equity, inclusion. It's the Biden administration. It's their foreign policy. It's the fact that they, they it's just... I just don't even know what to say. I've never been more concerned about the state of our country. Uh, and this is scary stuff. And if you think that this isn't happening, or you think this is just happening in the military, there is just an article that came out uh, in Forbes magazine, in Forbes magazine of all places, that talks about three ways to decenter whiteness in your workplace. I mean, so, I mean, this isn't some vast conspiracy theory um, that, that I'm that I'm spewing here. This is real and people hate this stuff, especially the core members that make up our military. Nobody wants to join a military 
that's focused on PowerPoint presentations and, and nobody wants commander. You know, PowerPoint presentations, I should, let me finish my thought. Nobody wants to serve in a military that has PowerPoint presentations on gender, gender bias and gender roles. And nobody, and I mean, nobody wants to have a commander with pronouns in their bio. I mean, my God. I mean, there was a time, folks, where I was a young platoon leader, had just taken over a platoon. My platoon knew we were going to Afghanistan. We did everything that we could to shoot, move, and communicate together as a team. I had the best soldiers and non-commissioned officers in the business. They had every reason to push me in the corner, say, do the paperwork and shut up. They didn't do that. They taught, coached, and mentored me every step of the way. And there was a time where my squad leader sat me down in our platoon office and they said, sir, we're going to Afghanistan. This platoon needs a name. And I looked at them. I'm like, well, why does our, why? We need a name. This isn't a, this isn't a sports team. But I suppose back then it should have been obvious. Looking back, it, I, I realized that I should have caught on right away. Um, but I'll never forget Sergeant Phil Baldwin, who ended up going to Afghanistan and getting shot in the leg and shot in the back horrible injury. He survived, thank God. Um, one of my best squad leaders said, because sir, when that first bullet cracks by your head, the individual doesn't matter anymore. The only thing that matters is this team. And we're only as good as, as our slowest person. And we need a collective identity. We need a name to rally around. So we called ourselves the outlaws. And boy, let me tell you, it brought me on board branding in a big way. But People did rally, my men, and we only had men in the infantry back then, so um, my men rallied around that. We wore t-shirts, had a guide on me. We became the outlaws, and we embodied that personality. But no, we had we had the most diverse infantry platoon you could possibly imagine. Six of my guys weren't even, even U.S. citizens. I mean, we had a guy from Mexico. We had a guy from Haiti. We had a guy from Russia. We had a guy from uh, South Vietnam. I mean, all these people had amazing, amazing stories. Uh, but they didn't give a damn about where they were from. I mean, of course, they all had pride in their in their home nation, but they would all tell you that they came to this country uh, because they loved this country, they believed in it, and they just felt that because they came to this country, they wanted to be productive citizens someday, and they thought that in order to do that, they would serve in the military. Uh, and we didn't care, though, about what color their skin was. We didn't care. There are no hyphenated Americans in our platoon. We put all of that aside. And we united in ways that we never thought possible. And let me tell you, if we could do that in Afghanistan in one of the most hostile places on the face of the planet, by God, we should be able to do it here as well in America. But the reason why we can't is because these Democrats, these radical commie mouth breathers divide us with bullshit like diversity, equity, and inclusion. All right. So I said enough on that. Let me, let me just, let me just move on <laughs> real quick because we're coming to the end of the show. I want to talk to you quickly about this, um, this lawsuit that Elon Musk and Truth Social fired, e e filed. Elon Musk filed a lawsuit against Media Matters. Media Matters is one of the most despicable, evil left-wing organizations in the country. It's a Soros-funded organization that does everything that they can to smear and destroy conservatives who are public figures. And if they're part of an organization or if they founded an organization, they do everything they can to dig up smear jobs or fraudulently smear people so that advertisers or company corporate sponsors back away from a cause or mission. Always, always, always they go after conservatives. They're evil. They're liars. They're sickening. 
Um, and Elon Musk is not putting up with it. So what what Media Matters did is they got they got a bunch of advertisers to basically abandon Twitter. I mean, whether it's Amazon, eBay, the Major League Baseball, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Nokia, T-Mobile, um, and then Paramount, all of these companies, um, what they did was is they created fake Nazi account, right? And they did, they followed a bunch of people who get ads. This is all real complicated. They created a bunch of fake Nazi accounts, made sure that those fake Nazi accounts by hitting the refresh button multiple times, like hundreds of times, uh, that those fake Nazi accounts with, with hate speech were right next to an ad and they screenshotted those ads and they sent them to companies. Um, and those companies then ditched, they ditched uh, Twitter. And by the way that Twitter or X makes most of his, its money is through ads from these companies. So Apple, Comcast, NBC Universal, IBM, they all hold their content which in turn hurts Twitter's bottom line and their ability to operate effectively. Well, of course, nothing that Media Matter did was legitimate. In fact, there's a post from Tracy Beans um, here who's been following this lawsuit uh, very closely on, on Twitter or X, said literally the only people who saw these ads placed next to these incendiary posts were Media Matters. Out of the 500 million monthly users, the only people who saw it were people at Media Matter. They misled everyone so that they could advance their narrative, their fake bullshit narrative that Twitter is a is a is a haven for anti-Semitic, racist, white genocide content, which then led to all these advertisers pulling their ad. Uh, Media Matters ad omitted all of this when they published their piece to cause advertisers to leave. The actual impressions generated by these manipulated ad serves. 0.0000090909% of impressions served on that day. So no one saw these ads, yet all of these advertisers ran away. Well, Elon Musk isn't taking this laying down. He filed what he called a thermonuclear lawsuit to take the fight to Media Matters. And I say, destroy Media Matters, tear it apart brick by brick, and scatter it to the four winds because they are evil, they lie about people, and they destroy lives. And Finally, finally, we have somebody that is not even necessarily a conservative, but has the courage, the wherewithal, and the finances to take the fight to these Soros-funded commies. And Elon Musk should not stop until this organization is completely disbanded. And Republican Attorney Generals, a Republican Attorney General in Texas, Ken Paxton, filed a, a, a lawsuit or an investigation investigating media matters in Texas for fraud, good, again, Tear them down brick by brick, scatter media matters to the four winds. Also, uh, Truth Social filed a $1.5 billion lawsuit against MSNBC, uh, Daily Mail, Axios, Reuters, and more because they ran a bunch of negative press on Truth Social to, to screw up their financials and screw up a merger with another company that was going to help keep Truth Social afloat. Well, President Trump and his team are not taking that lying down. And again, filed a $1.5 billion lawsuit. I'm saying right here, right now, that this is a great, great thing. Finally, because Trump's a billionaire, Elon Musk is the richest person in the world. Both of these men are doing more to advance conservative causes than actual Republicans who are in Congress. It, it, the only way that this stops, and I've said this multiple times, folks, multiple times, is if Republicans and conservatives and conservatives who have money need to fight fire with fire. 
We are fighting an enemy in these radical communist New Democrats that are ruthless, that would destroy your life in a second if it would advance their goals. So it's good that people like Elon Musk and Trump, who's obviously been fighting these people for years now, but it's good for Trump to have a little backup in Elon Musk and taking the fight to these radical, disgusting communists. Okay, so Thanksgiving is tomorrow. And if you've made it this far into the show, I want to thank you because it's the night before Thanksgiving. And I'm sure you all have things, better things to do than sit here with little old me. But if you made it thus far, make sure you smash that like button on this program. It's very, very important. It helps the show grow. Subscribe to Battleground Live. It's very, very important. Helps our show grow and attract more sponsors. Um, oh, also, uh, Battleground Apparel. Uh, I've got a new shirt coming out, uh, the Don't Tread on Me shirts, which, of course, you saw. I, I announced them last week. Um, they're shipping to my house today. And once we get them, we will send out all the pre-orders, but they're going fast. Go to officialshawnparnell.com. You can see you can see the shirts. They are badass. It says uh, on the back with the with the Gadsden rattlesnake, calm in nature, fierce, fearless in combat. It's supposed to describe qu the quintessential attitude of the American people, and that's how we are on this show. Uh, the shirts are going fast. Go to officialshawnparnell.com. Check them out. Got lots of cool shirts there. Got the do not comply ones as well. Um um, what else? What else? What else? Okay, that's great. Well, let's go out on a lighter note. We talked about lots of serious stuff. Um, there was a video that I saw on Dan Scavino, the great American patriot and, and close ally of President Trump, a video that he posted of Biden Thanksgiving vacation. And with that, I'll send you off. Do we have turkey it? tastes yeah. half as good as it looks. I think we're all in for a very big treat. <laughs> Save the neck for me, Clark. <laughs> okay, Eddie. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thank you for watching. Um, oh, let's, oh, real quickly. Uh, no show on Thanksgiving, no show on Friday. We're going to be spending time with the family. Uh, so I will see you on Monday at 5 p.m. right here on Battleground Live. We've got an amazing week planned for you next week. So thank you for watching. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, God bless you all. And God bless this amazing country that we call home. Take care.